0: Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to my podcast, Coffees on Me, David Kwan, where I strive to give guests legacy-worthy interviews that listeners can enjoy while cooking, commuting, relaxing or walking their pets. The Easter exam term has basically begun. I'm feeling um, great and having just come back from Lees playing course ball for the first time um, as the uni team needed some replacement for the National Shield competition We came 14th, but um, my appreciation for the transferable skills of basketball has grown, which I'm sure that my guest today will resonate given her uh, sporting prowess with netball, among many other things. Um, But we've just um, enjoyed a latte together um, on this beautiful Monday morning. For now, we are approaching 10,000 podcast downloads and if you have been enjoying the discussions on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, thank you and please do consider leaving a review and nominating a guest by contacting me via my link tree, David Quorum. Seeing this podcast on people's Spotify raps or receiving positive messages about the guests give me tremendous fulfilment and I cannot thank all the guests enough for their courage and insights. For those new to the podcast, Welcome. And thank you in advance for your engagement. Please know that I don't take your time and feedback for granted because when I started this podcast at a low point of my time in Cambridge, I was mostly just nervous about humiliating myself. But I went ahead with this passion project based on three ideals that still make up the content description for every single episode. First, a purpose of giving. Second, learning from others. And third, sharing of stories. Given my many inadequacies, I will certainly listen back to laugh at how naive I am, but I genuinely maintain the deep conviction that this passion project, if wholly true to those founding motivations about giving, learning and sharing, is a worthwhile pursuit. I'm so excited to introduce my guest who I've wanted on this podcast for eight months now. Oh, gosh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucy Martin is in her third year at Emmanuel College, University of Cambridge, studying geography. She is a talented musician and a confident performer, be that singing, dancing or public speaking. She is a choral scholar and has recently toured Hungary with the Choir of Emmanuel College. She also sings with a jazz band and plays the oboe. In the past, her performing has provided some incredible opportunities, such as seeing solo at the Royal Albert Hall and headlining on a main um, Ghent festival stage in Belgium. Lucy always prioritises her academic studies, but likes to play sport and keep fit too. She plays university netball with his accompanying uh, very intense training schedule, and she has roles on various committees and societies. Fortunately, Lucy considers time management as one thing she is a bit of an expert at. During the holidays, she adores spending time with family and her dog uh, and her two dogs and travelling to her special favourite place. Donegal on the northwest coast of Ireland where she has family roots. Lucy, very um, impressive bio. Um Welcome to my podcast, Coffees on Me Davidcon.
1: Thank you so much for having me David. Sorry for making you wait so long. <laughs> good things your- take
0: time. <laughs> um, how was your morning?
1: Um, I've had a good morning, yeah. Um, we just had a nice walk from uh, the coffee shop and now I'm ready to start the podcast.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, there's so much that we could talk about, and there's many reasons why I wanted you on the podcast for so long, and not least because having, I think, met you through um, Emma Jazz playing together, I was just in yeah. awe of your confidence and just oh, well. your kindness as well. You know, you're really welcoming, really inclusive when I was new to the band. I really appreciate that. I just oh. want to start with that. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That's so nice to hear.
0: Um, let's start in school. Um, you were... September student of the month in 2018, year 11. Um, why did you get that?
1: Wait, what, what do you mean?
0: What, what made you win uh, student of the month for September in year 11?
1: How, how do you know that?
0: Do my research for the podcast.
1: Gosh, I don't even specifically <laughs> remember me being student of the month. Uh, September year 11. What would have been going on at that time? I guess there were various awards um, mm. in our school. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I so would have been... was it
0: not like a formalised award or something?
1: Um, not really. That was kind of an informal monthly thing. I can't remember specifically what I was doing at that point, starting my GCSE year. Um, yeah, I can't remember any significant <laughs> significant event that would have caused me to win that Um that award? Did you find that on my school website or something?
0: I found. Yeah, it was online soon. Oh um...
1: wow! Did <laughs> Google? Did you Google me?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, there was oh, a lot really? of music as well, which was really nice. Um, yeah, I, I guess let's start with school then. Um, you did a lot of music. Yes. Um, heavily involved. Um, do you want to? Yes. Start no. There?
1: I music was a massive thing for me at school, um, and it was such a wonderful part of my school experience. I was incredibly lucky because I just went to my normal um, mixed comprehensive state school. And for most of these schools now, music is really underfunded. Music departments aren't receiving funding or priority. Um, Mm. I suppose music isn't considered a core subject and the government maybe don't value it um, for the limited funds that they can give to schools. But my school was an exception to that. And we had an absolutely wonderful Music department led by this amazing couple called the Taylors, and it was just so many of my favourite memories from school are within the music department. In particular, um, we had the main band was called the Big Band. You know, most people that were musical wanted to be in the Big Band, and when I was in year ten, I was chosen to become one of the lead singers for the Big Band. And you mentioned. Um, that you thought I was confident performing in Emma Jazz, and that is where I kind of developed that confidence. Mm. I honestly believe that performing doesn't come completely naturally to anyone. It is something that you have to practice in terms of knowing how you're coming across to an audience and actually Mm. fully fully feeling confident and looking like you're enjoying it. I remember... (laughs) Filming myself a lot and watching myself back, thinking how would an audience perceive me or when I would perform, Mm.
0: um,
1: getting my parents or my sisters to film me and watching it back. But no, the big band provided me with so many incredible opportunities. Mm. Um, Mr. Taylor was always trying to find functions for us to perform at. Mm. And as you mentioned in my bio, we went on some incredible music tours. So one of them was to the Ghent Festival in Belgium, where we sung on a very one of the biggest stages in the festival and it was just amazing it was just the most amazing experience and then we had the chance to perform at the Royal Albert Hall Mm. um it was in the interval of do you know if there's kind of these events that are put on for school choirs where lots of kids go to a a big arena and they all (laughs) sing together basically and we were asked if we wanted to perform in the interval of one of these events so we had three and a half minutes where the Royal Albert Hall was completely ours. And it was amazing. It was amazing. I've never had so much adrenaline in my life. Because you were
0: singing solo there, weren't
1: you? Yes, yes. So me and the band, it was, um, we sung Let Me Entertain You. And it was a trio number. So um, we had like harmonies going on in the chorus. There were Mm. three of us singing. But yeah, I started it off. The first verse was completely, completely just me. um, (laughs) And yeah, it was just insane. Were you nervous? I was nervous. Mm. I mean, I knew I was excited, but once I got out um, during mm. the day, we rehearsed on the the area that we'd be performing in, which was just in the middle of the, the stadium. Mm. And it was, yeah, I did think, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, all <laughs> the seats around you. Yeah. Um, and it was incredible. It was absolutely amazing. I loved it. I had so much adrenaline, like I say, so much of it I almost don't remember because it was such <laughs> a rush. Um, but no, that was brilliant. And I'm so grateful. The music department was like my home within the school. It's mm. where I made most of my friends Um, has always been a massive part of balance for me in my life you know I'd always been fairly academically driven but my parents always encouraged the extracurricular activities never put any pressure on doing homework academics never Mm. had any private tuition any of that none of that was pushed it Mm. was always encouraging the things that I enjoy Mm. and music was a massive part of that and I'm very grateful that that was their Mm. their ethos
0: wonderful to hear. I really resonate as well with mm. the transformative yeah. involvements that you can have with music. And we also had a um, big band, which was something that we'll aspire to. And funnily enough, oh, right. the conductor was also good Mr. Taylor's. Wait, seriously? <laughs> yeah, but I'm oh, sure wow. it's not the same one no, unless no, he flies amazing. to Australia then back. <laughs> Probably not. But
1: wow, no, that's such a weird coincidence. So
0: just to clarify, so you became Lisa in year 10.
1: One of the, yeah, so we kind of had. It was always set up as a sort of trio. We kind of had three mm. main singers and it was me in year 11 and two older no year 10 and two older girls. Wow. Um and then yeah I managed to I was lucky enough to do it for mm. for the Was next
0: that four a, years. was that something that you were like aspiring to as a younger girl like wow I wish one day I could
1: it actually be really one was. of those three. <laughs> it really was. My school would always put on kind of end of term concerts at the local theater and the big band was always the the performance that everyone looked forward to. It was right at the end of the concert mm. and the Big Band would come out. And I do remember sitting in that audience. Actually as a year six, because my sister joined wow. the school a year before me. So she was in the music concert. I Is went that Jess? to watch it. Yeah, Jess, my old sister. She's just one year above. Mm. So I went to watch it in year six. And I remember looking in awe, thinking these big band singers were like so cool, you know, <laughs> popping around on stage yeah. and like having the stage themselves. And I just thought, mm. that's amazing. But at that time I yeah, I didn't expect that I would get there, but
0: it was always a, an aspiration. Aspiration, a goal. Definitely. Which was good to have that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I also um, saw on the website um, you and Jess um, seeing Amazing Grace. I think that was like 2015. Oh, my goodness, so cool.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> How you know? old were you then? Uh, must have been...
0: What year were you, 2015?
1: Year eight, so the second okay. year of secondary
0: school. So by then you'd already set your goals on I want to be one of the best singers at the school.
1: Well, maybe. I don't know if I was... <laughs> thinking of it in those exact terms but that's the year that I started having singing lessons year eight um
0: oh you didn't have lessons before
1: no no I didn't just for fun yeah so I would always sing um in primary school we had a kind of fun choir um and like school plays and stuff and I would enjoy singing but I never had lessons before then so me and Jess both started lessons at that point Mm. and we had the same teacher so that's how we did that that duet, a singing evening. And that was wonderful. I absolutely love singing with Jess. And it's so nice to be able to mm. have kind of a hobby in common with my sister like that. Mm. But yeah, oh God, I can't believe you watched that video. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that.
0: So what made you both um, start singing at the same time? Because I would have thought maybe the older sister would have started and then you followed, but it sounds like you both started at the same time. Was there a moment of inspiration in the family where um, actually we've got good voices and we enjoy this.
1: <laughs> Possibly. I don't remember a specific moment. I think, um, yeah, we both always enjoyed singing and maybe realised that as we were getting more involved with the music department, um, and mm. we were both in secondary school at that point, mm. that that could be an option. and um, Maybe just, yeah, discussed it with our parents at a similar time and they decided that we could both do it. Mm. Um, obviously just being able to have music lessons is a massive privilege because yeah you know yeah <laughs> they cost right you have, to, <laughs> you have to pay for them so i'm very lucky that our parents thought that was important and mm. and wanted to and could um mm. fund some more music education for us both because we both were already playing an instrument um mm. i was learning the oboe i started that in year five and jess started the flute mm. at a similar time we both had piano lessons when we were smaller and both gave up the piano which I regret um once I started the oboe, I thought oh this is much easier and I got rid of the piano but I wish I could have on the piano so yeah it was always a. Mm. they were always encouraging getting involved with music and that was kind of just the next step and I really mm. I'm very grateful for that because it's opened so many doors for me so many opportunities
0: mm.
1: to yeah perform in bands perform with friends make friends
0: mm.
1: and I I love it. Music's a massive part of my life, so yeah.
0: Has it always pretty much been a big part of your identity then?
1: I think so. Yeah. Being
0: like a miso.
1: Oh, uh, I wouldn't call myself... I mean, I didn't hear the word muso until I came okay. to
0: Cambridge.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a muso. Um, I have barely any knowledge compared to most Cambridge music students. So you're sure.
0: more like performance, rather than like the theory side of
1: things? Yeah, I mean, I did actually do uh, A-level music and GCSE music, okay. so I could...
0: So you are just um, be humble. <laughs>
1: well, well, no. I, I um, Most of it was focused on performance, but I could obviously sit and learn... Mm. The stuff and the history for the exams um, that I did at school, but yeah, I think the performing, like I said, has been a massive thing for me for my confidence, mm. and that's part of my identity. Like you say,
0: you mentioned like confidence quite a few times, and like is that just something that you've often had to think about, or do you feel like you have through music and other things gone through a rapid transformation? Like, why? Or am I just
1: no. overthinking the word? No, I think I think I have always had confidence in myself. Um, but it manifests in a different way when you're standing in front of a, an audience and it's just you. And it's a different thing um, to perform than it is to just go about your daily life with confidence, I suppose.
0: Which confidence did you have?
1: I think I always had confidence... In just in my general life, okay, general, Um, and at school, I would back myself to do my best. I mean, Mm. I'm I'm, I'm quite an overthinker, I'm quite an anxious person sometimes, so I would worry about things. But in the end, I knew I'd, I, you know, I always back myself when I do think that I can do my best or whatever I do, and that's that's all I've ever aimed Mm. to do. Really, just do the best with every opportunity that I've got, and put myself in the best position to be able to do that.
0: Um what were the goals that you had set maybe during your teenage years? Like was getting into Cambridge perhaps one of the goals?
1: Yes. Getting <laughs> No, to be completely honest, getting into Cambridge has always been a goal for me. Wow. It might sound strange, but even in primary school.
0: Really? Wow. I
1: had it in my head that I would love to be here. So it's incredible that I've been able to realise that ambition, but as a child, we don't live too far from Cambridge, so we we mm. visited a little bit. We sometimes come up for a day out or for shopping, and I remember walking around thinking, I know that I would love to be here. It's like I could see it in my future, and I I knew that it would suit me wow. if I could just yeah, like I say, carry on doing my best and everything that I did. But I never, um, like I've mentioned before, I never felt that pressure from anyone else from teachers from parents from anything like that it was all self-driven mm. and I thought yeah I think this place would suit me and I think it was always a long-term goal every little test or um, kind of rite of passage <laughs> I'd get to i think well I'm just going to do my very best so that in the future mm. I might set myself up on a path that might lead to Cambridge it was mm. always a goal um, do
0: you feel that, like through each of those little tests that you're almost like making your own luck through your effort?
1: yes I definitely think nothing that I've done that I've achieved is luck. Um, There's parts. There's parts of life that are luck. Of course there are. um, And applying to Cambridge, you know, through the application process, there's some luck involved. But as I said about kind of doing my best, the way that I work and the way that I've always worked is that I like to be as prepared as I can be For everything that I do and then I just set myself up to make Mm. the most of every opportunity and to do my best on the day just to be ready. Mm. I think that's something that I have managed to be really good at is just making sure I've put myself in the most ideal position to make the most of every opportunity that I've got Mm. and feel ready. And I suppose that's what I would define as making my own luck is setting myself up Mm. to be in an advantageous position um that's quite
0: mature and yeah to plan ahead and to think about the steps that's needed almost like working backwards well this is my goal what do I need to do to get there mm -hmm. where did you get this as a kid like this is like (laughs) incredible that you've always had this awareness Um,
1: gosh I don't know I think like I said a supportive family was probably a big part of that I think I'm very similar to my dad especially um And kind of maybe some of my opinions probably, (laughs) my views stem from him. Uh, He has these mottos that I love. And one of them is, it doesn't seem to make sense, first of all, but one of his mottos is, the more you do, the more you do. Mm. And what he means by that (laughs) is kind of the more things that you do, the more opportunities you make the most of, the more you can do. Mm. Um, even if it's just in your day just keeping busy being productive makes you more productive you know if you feel lazy or you're lying around that's only going to lead to you feeling
0: more lazy (laughs) yeah exactly it's
1: kind of like a
0: self-perpetuating
1: yeah yeah and I don't know I think um, my parents are both teachers they're both educators both primary school teachers they met teaching at my primary school and I think they've got a very healthy and very beneficial to me way of thinking about achievements. Like I said, never pushing academics and that has always created a calming and supportive environment for me. And if I'm enjoying my life, that helps me to be productive Mm. and to be successful in whatever I, whatever I want to do. And I've always had their support. And I think that's a massive, massive Mm. privilege.
0: Um, If I've not mistaken, dad studied, med at Cambridge and then moved to HSPS.
1: Um, yes, yeah. So um, this is part of the reason I wanted to go to Cambridge as well, probably, was that <laughs> I knew that my dad had been here and he came through the, the same system, you know, the state school system and had a very similar drive to me when he was younger. They just thought mm. Cambridge is probably the, the best thing I could aim for. Mm. And he similarly thought it would suit him. And he he aimed for that. And as I was, as I was growing up, I was aware of that. He never pushed me towards it. Mm. But I thought... I mean if he can do
0: it why can't you yeah
1: I've always felt like I was fairly similar to him Mm. and in a way obviously you're always driven what I am personally to make my parents proud or to make him proud but I thought yeah by his experiences and that was a big probably a big advantage to me in applying was that I had my dad's support my dad's advice Mm. and I mean that might even be the reason that I got in um My school wasn't that set up for supporting Cambridge-Oxbridge applications. Um, The teachers didn't have much experience with Mm. it. And they'd sent maybe, there might have been two people the year above me that got into Oxbridge, one the year above that. But before that, not many. And they were helpful. Um, some of them were really helpful and my geography teachers kind of set up practice interviews where they would just ask me random geography questions we just not <laughs> over zoom um none of them had any experience with actually what a cambridge interview was like or mm. could prepare me in a way that maybe you could if you were paying for your education you know they'd be more set up for specifically preparing people for oxbridge mm. but my dad was very helpful mm. in that process and has always been um a bit of an inspiration for me and, yeah, part of the reason that I always thought, yeah, I could could come here. I'm sure it could suit me the way that it suited him. Um, Mm. But, yeah, you're right. So he applied here, he did medicine and then he found that it didn't suit him Mm. and he switched and he's always been very honest about that. He didn't find university that easy. He was very homesick Mm. um, and wasn't focused on the academics while he was here. He actually played a lot of football got a football blue in the end and that was his... Main drive. So again, it's like Mm. academics not being the most important thing, or not being Mm. the the memories that you make, or the things that you remember while you're Mm. at university.
0: Would have gave you some reassurances that you don't have to like make the necessarily the right decision uh, for a degree choice right away. Like it's a journey of self discovery, and I'm sure he went through that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Gradually
0: realizing what he actually liked, and eventually found his calling through teaching.
1: Well, yes, no, he definitely found his calling through teaching, but he kind of never really found his passion for for what he was studying he didn't necessarily enjoy the social science thing it was just that he knew he couldn't do medicine so in the, the <laughs> academics was never it was never the thing for him um but he always says he says to me now he says you're you're kind of you're doing it way better than i did that's what he says to me because okay. you've chosen he does well i believe this as well no i know that i've chosen the right degree for me and I'm enjoying the degree and yeah. that has provided me with overall probably a far better experience yeah. than him struggling through a course that he didn't enjoy so I don't think I necessarily then thought oh yeah I can just muddle around and eventually <laughs> end up with my degree I think it was always the thought that well it would be yeah. ideal to choose something that I that I know I yeah, want to yeah. do Um,
0: geography is one of the best degrees in terms of like you can go the more natural the human side that you've pursued so mm -hmm. depending on what you want you can almost tailor the degree to your liking
1: yes I think that was one of the appeals well one of the main appeals with the degree to me is that my interests have always been incredibly wide-ranging very broad Mm. and with geography you don't have to narrow them Mm. especially not straight away so the first year is half and half half human half physical and you cover so much you cover almost everything you know one day i'll be doing something really scientific i was in the tree ring lab um one day last term and then the next day i'm having um uh, talks on homelessness in cambridge and i'm writing about mm. citizenship and it's just everything is such a a contrast but it keeps it all all interesting and i've enjoyed that about the degree that i haven't had to narrow down my interests mm. too much yet but like you say i i lean more towards the human side but i've been able to find that out throughout the degree mm. um so that's been really good.
0: How did you find like your schooling when, like in primary school, especially when like mum is like, you know, deputy head teacher, like, did you feel like you had to like behave even better (laughs) just because it would be quite like ironic if you weren't behaving?
1: Um, Maybe. yeah. Well, I've never been a a naughty, naughty kid Mm. or anything. I think there was a mutual trust between me and my parents that I wouldn't, mess things up for them at school And I knew that I wouldn't I mean I've always But
0: like Were you one of school. those like Kids who then You know when school ended You obviously had to wait for mum Then you were in the staff room Meeting with yeah. your teachers Yeah from. No It was definitely
1: a different school experience Because um, My teachers Would sometimes Yeah Be around my house or something Because they were my mum's friends um,
0: Do you still call them by what Surname I or? do
1: I do <laughs> I still Yeah I still would be like Mr this Mrs that uh, When they come round But yeah, no. I was. I would come into school early with my mom usually, but I loved it. I absolutely loved the opportunity to kind of make use of the school resources before and after school. I loved drawing on the smart board or playing with the, getting all the stuff out of the PE cupboard after school and playing in the hall. There were a couple of other kids actually that's that how had. You
0: got so good at netball.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's where it started. Yeah, no. There were a couple of other kids that had parents at the school, mm. and it was almost like an after-school club. Sometimes some of us would just. Put on shows on the on the little stage in the mm. hall, or play together, and um, yeah, I I guess that was normal for me, and I really enjoyed having my parents at the school. Um,
0: Did they teach at the same school? Yes. So, mum interviewed dad. Was that right?
1: Oh god! Yeah, you have a really good memory. I, I told you that once. Yeah. So, my mum actually. Was on the interview panel for giving my dad the job at my primary <laughs> school, which is really. But funny. they didn't know
0: each other at that point.
1: No, they didn't know each other before okay. that. So yeah, they did meet. It's a
0: um, nice first day. <laughs> yeah,
1: <I know. laughs> they did meet uh, teaching at my primary school. Yeah, so that was a special place for my family. All three of us, mm. um, as in me and my two sisters, all went through that school, and we absolutely mm. loved it. It was a, it was a very good. Sh-
0: so the Martin yes. family was quite prominent at that school.
1: Yes, you? very, very. <laughs> um my mum taught there for she's now left and she's a head teacher at a different school, but she taught there for over twenty seven years, I think it was wow, or something. Yeah, so that's she was incredible. there for almost the whole of her career. Mm. And people still bump into us in the local area and say, mm. Mrs. Martin, Mrs. Martin <laughs> Which is really sweet. Um, mm. she started actually teaching children of the children that that she taught, oh, which is wow. incredible. Um Yeah, Yeah. I mean, obviously
0: I'm biased studying education, but I just think teachers, you know, they just, it's so important and just the relationships that they build. And I think it's such a fulfilling career, not just in the moment, but as you said, often kids don't fully appreciate how much of an impact their teachers made until much later on in life. And they look back and connect the dots. And I know that whenever... I see my old teachers is that sense of warmth and all those memories come back. And it's almost like they know a part of you that not many other people do because they've seen you kind of grow up and at each stage. And that's really wonderful. But I guess being a head teacher encompasses a bit of a different responsibility of rather than so much the classroom or of the management of the school governance structure and the logistical processes. Yes. Um, and when you were in school she was what deputy, so she had a bit yeah. of both?
1: Um yes. And it was fairly big my primary school. It had two forms in a year. Two hmm. so two classes. Um and she's moved to a smaller school. So when she made that move she found she had to do, like you say, a lot more of the different different size, like the financials and um lots more admin and mm. take on lots of jobs that weren't just teaching because she was a class teacher as mm. well as a deputy at my primary school. From
0: your perspective as, like, a child of a teacher, um, what's your perception of, like, the UK, like, state school education system, like, are teachers overworked, not appreciated? And
1: I think definitely both. Mm. Um, and I think it's, just judging from my parents and other teachers that I've spoken to, It's it's been getting worse, it's been getting harder, whether it's kind of... Less funding, um, more kind of issues from parents. A lot of parents' complaints that have increased. Mm-hmm. Um, kids becoming more difficult, and also especially coming out of the COVID lockdowns, a lot of children having more mental health issues or having been more behind because they missed out on some um, different qualities of yeah, and different qualities of homeschooling as well. Because some parents would have had the time to dedicate spending with their children, and some some wouldn't so there's a lot more problems and I think it's a very noble career actually to go into to dedicate your life to to educating Mm. other people my sister has done is about to do the same thing she's in her final year of her primary education degree nice and she is specialising in teaching children with special educational needs. So she's kind of got another yeah, step there. It. Yeah, so she's actually just got a job. She's done amazingly well. Mm-hmm. She's just got a job set up for September, being a class teacher in a in a special needs school, um, which is amazing. So she's, yeah, followed mm-hmm. the same path and been inspired by my parents. Mm-hmm. And I do think it is very inspiring. Like you say, rewarding, but very challenging. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think, oh, teachers have long holidays.
0: Um, or the marking and preparing. But, but, and but yes, plans. there's so much. There's so
1: much <laughs> that teachers do outside of school. Yeah. Um. That people don't. That people don't realise. And it's
0: also, I think, the expectation on teachers during like during a school term where you don't just like switch off at like three thirty because mm-hmm. you're constantly considering the kids' holistic life. You know their well being. Yes, yeah. You're almost like expected to not just be a teacher, but also a psychologist. Mm. Also like. A mediator for their family problems and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and
1: you have to be aware of all of it. And it's yeah, like you say, you can never fully switch off from it. My mum keeps a a notepad by her bed at night. Whenever she <laughs> thinks of something, she writes it wow. down. Because um, yeah, your head's always worrying, and mm. she's just genuinely driven by a mm. care for for each of her students. So
0: I mean, you've obviously also developed that care and concern for other people. You've got great social skills, um, obviously. That love for learning and sharing. Um, do you feel like you might one day uh, go into education?
1: Potentially, um, I could see it being something that I would enjoy. Mm. Um, but
0: teach them how to sing. And play oh the oboe. yeah, no, I would. I would love.
1: <laughs> I would love all of that. I'm sure. I'm sure that I would. But I think, like you say, it might be something that I do later on. I don't have. I have no idea. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what I want to do with my life. But i might, can, yeah, I consider going to teaching later on, but I want to try something else first. Um, mm. But yeah, you're right. I do think I would find it find it rewarding. But then again, the challenges that I've mentioned... Um,
0: kind of put you off
1: a little bit? Maybe, maybe. Or maybe just wanting to diverge a bit from what the rest of my family kind of seems <laughs> to be doing and then mm. um, maybe following in their footsteps afterwards. But... Mm.
0: So yeah. that does motto, one of his motto, as you said, is, um, you know, the more you do, the more you do. Mm-hmm. What's mum's motto? What does she keep on repeating?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know if she has any specific mottos. Behave. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know. I think my mum isn't, definitely isn't driven by the academic side of things. She probably wouldn't even describe herself as very academic. She is a lot more interested in, like, the pastoral side and caring for people and um yeah, so that as that a priority rather than mm. um enforcing studying at school or anything like that.
0: I know teachers have to make a lot of sacrifices often at very spontaneous hours or something. Um was there any like time during your childhood where you kinda of seen them go really go above and beyond? Like was there a notable incident or
1: there probably were lots of things. I don't know if anything specifically mm. stands out. But like I said about people thinking teachers have long holidays, mm. my parents, especially my mum, spends a lot of time at school during the holidays. holidays. Yeah, wow. kind of sorting things out, um, even if it's admin or finances. or mm. She does a lot of jobs that people wouldn't expect that head teachers do, even if it's clearing out a cupboard or kind <laughs> of, um, overseeing builders or whatever. She's always mm. thinking about school and she's always there and that's her... She feels that as her responsibility, and yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I'd lose them for a week sometimes if they went on a school trip or mm. something. But um,
0: but quite a lot happens in your household, I guess, with um, two other siblings. Um, yeah. Have you always gotten along quite well? What's the dynamic between you three?
1: Yes, I've always got on amazingly well with my sisters. I absolutely love having <laughs> sisters. I always have. Um, always enjoy being the youngest as well. I think having yeah. them to look up to. Mm. Uh, But there's quite a, there's a difference in age. So my eldest sister, Georgie, she's 11 years older than me. And Jess is just the year above me at school. Mm. Um, So there's an age gap there. And Jess and I have always maybe been closest just because we've always done things together Mm. and gone through school Mm. together. But then always looked up to Georgie probably really annoyed her when we were little when she was doing her exams Um, but no that's that's great she doesn't live with us anymore because she's moved out with her boyfriend but it's so nice to to have her to visit or when she comes to visit us and she's always treating us um, because she actually now works and has money (laughs) like us getting into more and more student debt Um, but no we've always been really close and yeah I love that I really love that
0: Um, so Jess and you, uh, by the sounds of it, had pretty similar interests in music. Yeah. Um, did Georgie have similar interests?
1: Um, um, Georgie did have some music lessons, I think, but never really followed music as a particular passion. She was a netballer, actually. Ah, nice. Uh, She did lots of netball. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was her thing. So
0: like school, I don't know, finish at what, 3.30 or 5, you get home 6 max, um, What did you, like, do at home? Like, were you a gamer? Were you reading? Were you just messing around? Were you playing with your dogs? Like, what made up, like, your um, non-school
1: times? So, I wasn't a gamer. Um, I I would always have... Most days I would have some kind of activity after school, whether that be netball. I used to do some dancing as well, which I absolutely loved. Um, What type of dance? Um... Jazz, modern, commercial kind okay. of thing. Nice. Yeah. Uh, just I, I would call it fun dancing. None of the proper like okay. ballet or strict <laughs> grades or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I loved that. Um that was part of to be honest, that probably used to be my favourite my favourite thing. And it links to the performing thing. Absolutely loved dance and that's connecting music and performing. Um after school, yeah, well, I mean, we'd always have a nice dinner together. Play with the dog sometimes, as you say. Do a bit of homework.
0: When did you get Laura and Milo, which are your two dogs?
1: Um, When I was in year four, so okay. I was about seven or eight.
0: They're very much a part of your family. Oh, yes.
1: Oh, yes, <laughs> probably too much. They're very attached to us. They um, We kind of can't leave them with anyone else. We If we go on holiday, they come with us kind of thing. Um,
0: They're cockapoos, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: What, what are like, their personalities, like friendly and...
1: Oh yeah, they're incredibly the funny, intelligent. very cuddly, and I'd okay. say very intelligent. Um, they're funny; they just seem to learn words. For example, they learnt what biscuit meant, so we couldn't say biscuit anymore. Oh. But then we would say B, so that they wouldn't know, like just the initial of biscuit. Mm. And now they know what B means, so we have to come up with new words all the time. Wait, so what, what
0: happens if you say biscuit? Do they just like they get all of...
1: excited? They kind of would probably like put their head on your lap, or jump up at you, and think oh, I'm getting a biscuit. Um, no, they're they're so funny and they're so cuddly. Mm. Um, they're great kind of emotional support animals, to be honest. If you're feeling <laughs> upset, they'll come and jump on your lap. Mm. Um, they're brilliant. But they, yeah, they they have some attachment issues. They get quite anxious if they're <laughs> not there. Um, but they're, they're wonderful. They're so funny. Bless them. I love them.
0: must be nice, I think, growing up with pets, um, like you said, you know, having yeah. something to cuddle and just, yeah. they're always energetic, right?
1: Yeah, and they get you out of the house as well. I mean, they need walking every day. Mm. So most, every most,
0: day you would take them out for walks?
1: I mean... Most of my dad probably has done. Well, he's definitely done more dog walks than anyone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, obviously most most days we would try and join him, and it's mm. yeah, they just get. Why did rough. you get two dogs? Um, I think maybe at the time, Jess and I thought, oh, one for each of us. But we don't see it like that. Like we both see them both as um, yeah, yeah, our dogs. I don't know. We've always pestering my parents saying we wanted a dog, and in the end, they went to to see this litter of puppies. They went to see the breeder, which was actually in Cambridge. Mm. And they saw these two playing together and they thought they couldn't separate them. And then my dad gave in and we got both of them and blessed <laughs> them. So they've been together their whole lives, which is so sweet. Mm.
0: And you always wanted a dog, like not cats or rabbits or mm. sheep or I don't know, whatever I always there thought is. dogs
1: would be more fun. Mm. I think my parents thought the same thing. They both had dogs growing up. Okay, And there's just something... Like you say, they're so intelligent. I think they're so emotionally intelligent and you can really connect with a dog.
0: Mm. I think I read somewhere, um, like, dogs obviously are so loyal, they're so bubbly. Yeah. Like, they're actually, like, we we as humans can learn so much from how they interact because every time you see a dog like when you go home no matter what weather even if they're sleeping if mm-hmm. they see you they jump up yes, and they're yes. always excited and that's how we should approach all of our interactions as well when yeah. we see other people we might be miserable we might be tired and stressed and anxious but it's always just makes everyone feel good when mm. you can show that energy and
1: enthusiasm yeah. and I smile love that. I love that and that is like you say that's a wonderful thing about having them they are no matter what, they mm. are so happy and to see And that loyalty, you.
0: like I, you always see these homeless people with dogs, but their dogs never leave, right? They yeah. always stay, no yeah. matter the condition. Yeah, and I always really love dogs for that.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think, like you say, if we could be, we probably could learn a lot from dogs, and <laughs> if we could be more like that as people, mm. um, just genuinely enjoying interacting with other people that's like you said in your introduction to your podcast you know this um this is all about connecting with other people sharing things with other people being happy in other people's presence and that's something that I have massively learned to love especially at university and especially Mm -hmm. when I've been through difficult times something that I've come to realize is that if you reframe life and stop looking inwards it's almost sometimes if i'm really struggling and i'm focusing all my problems i just say to myself well that's almost selfish Mm. i know that's a bit of a silly thing to say like having issues isn't selfish but if you can reframe it Mm. and you can direct energy towards other people that's actually really healing for yourself and Mm. you can spread so much joy and there's a real power in that
0: i mean you Again, you're you obviously really social. Um, you do a lot of things, trying to make the most out of the opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you learnt from, I guess, living in a college environment where you're always surrounded by people of very different backgrounds? Like, have you enjoyed the conversations and yes. connecting with others? Yes,
1: no, I've absolutely loved that. That's one thing that I have learnt and developed a love for at university is connecting with people and having conversations. Um, I think that the college community is really special because you get that feeling of membership that maybe in a huge university where you're just a number and thousands you maybe wouldn't feel it but when you've got that college community everyone you walk past is a familiar face someone you can wave at someone Mm. you can catch up with that's really special and I do think it's something that society lacks um in modern day
0: like connection
1: yeah and Mm. I think it maybe is part of the reason that we're experiencing such a well more of a mental health crisis and people seem to be less happy than they were I mean people are so much more insular whether that's being stuck behind their screens or stuck behind their gates and their homes not even knowing their neighbours I think I <laughs> this is getting quite weirdly deep but I don't understand life I don't understand the meaning of life probably never will but one thing that I'm absolutely certain of is that the point even if it's Just part of the point of life is that you are here to share moments with other people and that that, I'm certain, is a source of happiness. And that's the one thing that I'm absolutely certain of. And I think um, the college community is great for that, that Mm. feeling of membership, that feeling of interaction Mm. and connecting with people. And I just love, especially here, I'm not saying you can't outside of this institution, but connecting with and learning from people because obviously especially here people are so knowledgeable in their specific area but in general and people are so interesting because they've come from all different places and being genuinely interested in other people and feeling like other people are genuinely interested in you is so rewarding and leads to such good conversation and I know there's I love acknowledging there's so much that I don't know and there's so much that I can learn from other people whether that's just interacting with for example, if I'm struggling with economic geography, going to find my friend who does economics and him <laughs> explaining it to me, which is wonderful, um, or whether that's interacting with the master at a formal hall or something. I love, I absolutely love Doug and appreciate... Is very cool. he, Doug is amazing, isn't he? He's yeah. a wonderful master. But I love and appreciate all of those connections and those moments. And, yeah, I think I've got a lot better at conversation at university. It's why I actually wanted to do this, this kind of thing. Um... <laughs> Yeah,
0: I think it's really important. I think yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you. Like we all need um uh good, meaningful relationships and yeah. feeling like we belong and that um that we matter and that other people matter as well. Yeah. I think one of the perhaps big problem is perhaps social anxiety. Maybe people want to feel that but they feel like they don't have the confidence to introduce themselves to other people. Yeah. They perhaps don't feel like they have the social skills to maintain a conversation. Uh, For someone who's obviously so good at that, which is you, um, what advice do you perhaps have for other people who are still seeking that connection?
1: That's difficult. Um, I guess the hardest thing, I mean, it is the hardest thing, but it's the first step, just putting yourself out there and trying, and I know it's incredibly difficult if you are suffering with social anxiety, But like I mentioned before, trying to reframe things so that it's not about you. I know that sounds ridiculous because obviously... What does that mean? As in thinking someone else might be feeling like that and I want to make their day a bit better. So making it... It's not about me being scared of interacting or other people being worried about interacting with other people. It's trying to reframe it so that you feel like you want to improve someone else's day or you want to genuinely interested in someone else or finding out about someone else and then that being a route to connection. And I know that's incredibly hard. But again, I would say even um, getting involved with things that you enjoy, some kind of extracurricular activity, especially at university, I think is absolutely vital to being in an environment where you can interact with people that you immediately have common ground with. That's a great way... Of making friends I was doing um open day tours last year for the university of the college and students would ask me if I had any, any advice about university you know whatever university ends up going to and I just said just get involved you know just mm. seek activities do things do things that you're interested in or that you already have as hobbies or things that you that you want to try because that is how you make friends and Obviously, to share from my own experience, that is how you find a balance and a rewarding balance and you can be more productive. So I definitely would just say, first of all, seeking to mm. do activities with people that you have mutual interest with is a great route to making mm. new
0: connections. also really liked the um, admissions video you did um, last year that was all over, <laughs> you. all over social media. I think it was yeah. on the Cambridge University's official yes. account. Yes, <laughs>
1: yeah, I was, um, I was asked um, to be filmed answering some questions, um, put on the main university social medias. And I actually mm. really enjoyed that experience. I was quite nervous about it. And then I thought, well, like my opinion mm. is for any opportunity, if I've been offered it, I'll go for it. <laughs> and I'll do my best. Yeah. And no, it was funny. Which I think is,
0: um, you know, at that point I didn't really know you. I don't think we've had some proper conversations, but
1: yeah,
0: on the outside, it seemed like, you know, you were confident, you knew what you would you know, talking about, it seems like you found your community. Yeah, You were obviously really good at music, really good at sport. just seems like someone who's got their life all figured out. And as we all know that we all have our own insecurities Mm -hmm. and go through, you know, moments of low confidence and stuff. So, but the point is like, we don't see, we only see the best side of other people projected out. Yes. Uni has, I guess, overall been great for you, but has there been um, any, like, difficulties or challenges that you've had to work through? And
1: Yes, definitely. Oh, my goodness, definitely. Like you say, so much is hidden and people wouldn't necessarily know. But um, last term in particular was really difficult for me. And I think it's so easy. This place can become a bit of a pressure cooker. And I know that so many people here can end up struggling with their mental health. Um But last term, things went a bit wrong for me. Like I said, I thrive on having that productive balance. Being busy and doing things that I enjoy helps me to be productive and having a a routine and the balance of, you know, good rest, good exercise, things I enjoy, academics. But last term, I kind of managed to upset the balance and then things were really hard. Um, What happened was, at the beginning... Of time, I had a couple of deadlines, I was a bit stressed, but I had this sleepless night and I let that kind of spiral in a way. I then, my bed became quite an anxious place. I almost convinced myself that I couldn't sleep. And then that created a lot of issues <laughs> because I was getting more and more tired, more and more kind of obsessing over sleep. During the day, I wasn't able to focus on the things that I was enjoying because suddenly, I had this really crazy and weird obsession with the fact that I thought I'd forgotten how to sleep that I couldn't rest and it sounds completely ridiculous <laughs> and I think laughing at it is really important because I had to that's how I kind of managed to get through it and I I still have moments where I struggle with it and the feelings come back but I became really anxious and I was stuck in these anxious cycles of well yeah and I guess that you do go a bit crazy when you haven't had enough sleep and you haven't it's so much harder to rationalise things in that situation. But I was also fairly ill. I had a really horrible flu thing. And being ill at Cambridge really upsets, you know, being able to be productive, uh, managing some injuries, which were making sport more difficult, had um, shin splints. And it was quite a low, it was quite a low time for me, but I managed to carry on. And I managed to get all the essays done. I managed to carry on doing the sport, doing the choir, Um, all my activities and I got through it but it was really hard and I do think um, definitely like I've said already love conversation I think that talking really helps and something that I've enjoyed out of that experience is sharing it with other people and then realizing that so many other people are struggling with different things and I know so many people suffer way worse than me with my with their mental health um, and have recurring issues but Just hearing from others that most people don't get the sleep thing right at Cambridge. I mean, it's very difficult. You're in a pressured environment, right? Even if it's just because you're too busy or you have an essay to write, you don't end up getting the right amounts of sleep. So many people I've spoken to have said to me, well, I was exactly like that too. Like, I had sleep issues. I couldn't sleep for a week or, um, you know. So many people are, are just dealing with so many mental health issues. And it's so hard, but it's so easy to... To spiral and to think it's just you and that there's something wrong with you. Mm.
0: Um, And conversations helped you to realise the bigger picture that actually we all struggle in some way or another, that we can find solidarity.
1: Yes. And like I mentioned before about conversation, it's turning the focus away from me. And something that my dad said to me, he was great supporting me through this last time. I would ring him and he offers amazing advice, but he would always just say, first of all, you don't have a problem. Stop convincing yourself you have a problem, you don't have a problem. But second of all, it was him that kind of led that change of mindset to stop thinking about yourself. In a way, look at yourself, get annoyed with yourself and think, this is almost selfish that I'm obsessing about my problems. Mm. And then if you can change your outlook and look, like you say, out to other people and other people's problems and share things, then that's definitely a route. To getting better yourself and, yeah, to not, to not be stuck in these silly cycles of anxiety Mm. and obsession.
0: And it's like following his motto, the more you do, the more you do, or the less you do, the less you do for sleep.
1: Yes, yes, because for sleep, I mean, it's the one thing. I mean, it's a stupid thing. I know so many people end up at some point in their life struggling with sleep, but it's the one thing that you can't think about, that you don't need to think about, you know? so he actually said to me he said stop telling yourself that you need to sleep just start thinking i don't care and you will sleep at some point lie in bed and think oh well just count to a (laughs) thousand yeah like oh well i'm just gonna lie here and i'm not even and it's really hard to say don't think Mm. about anything obviously that's incredibly difficult (laughs) to switch your brain off but maybe lie in bed and think about Mm. someone else think about uh just I don't know, just list all the things you're grateful for, but don't think about sleep because it's the one thing you can't think about. Yeah. Um and it's hard, it's really hard, but I feel or oh, I'm very happy to say that I feel like I'm coming out of it now and that it's made me stronger and well, firstly it just made me appreciate how difficult it can be mm. to have mental health issues and to be struggling. Because you're trapped in your brain, right? This is one thing you, you can't get away from. You can't get away from your mind. You're in your mind. You're in your head. So it's crazy, but it's so it's so hard. Um, but yeah, I think I've... Yeah, I've learned from it. But like you say, I think a lot of people last term maybe wouldn't have realised the issues that I was having because I was continuing to do things and to...
0: Mm. You were still, like, high-functioning.
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I wouldn't have felt like it, mm. but
0: but you appeared to be, I guess.
1: I think I probably, yeah, for the most part, did appear to be. Yeah, like you say, there's there's a lot that's hidden that people don't know about, but that's why it's so important to connect with people and to find these things mm. out. Um,
0: what kind of role do you think, like, music, like for you as a singer, right, you, you've sung so many songs and you know the lyrics off by heart and, you know, lyrics, you know, they, the, the good songs touch people in a way that, it touches our common humanity and, you know, mm-hmm. the common themes around love, about resilience, about dealing with issues or overcoming or finding hope. You know, those very, very core cool human drives that we have. Yeah. So for someone like you who clearly knows so much of the lyrics and the songs and the storylines, did that help you at all? Like just did the music help you like get out of that slump at all?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, First of all, music is obviously a great distraction for your mind or a great way to reset your mind when you're trying to relax. So I would sometimes just lie in bed and play some kind of relaxing music or familiar music that would help me to feel calm or that would take me back um, to a time when I was performing that music or stuff like that. Um, But being a part of the choir and continuing, no matter how I felt, to go to choir rehearsals Mm. and to do the choir services was really helpful because it's the sort of thing, it's always like exercise. Sometimes it's the last thing you think you want to drag yourself to and to do, but once you've done it, it resets your mind Mm. and music and singing, especially fills you with so many endorphins
0: Mm.
1: and especially singing in a group and sharing that musical experience Mm. with friends and people that you're close to. And then with a congregation in a service, um, Especially because a lot of the words, especially to um, liturgical music or to the music that we sing in services, a lot of the words are really powerful. Mm. And
0: So on that, has there been any particular songs or lyrics or lines that have really touched you, that you keep thinking about? Um,
1: gosh, that's a good question. Um, I have had particular pieces of music that I've really enjoyed singing this term I think for me it's not even it's not necessarily the specific words it's the
0: emotions
1: yeah and the the feeling especially maybe when a piece is building or that release of like the climax of the piece where everyone's singing loudly you can feel the power of everyone's voices behind mm. you but also maybe the words what I did enjoy is sitting through services and there's always a sermon you've got to sit through. And as a member of the choir, you often think, oh my God, here we go. There's another, there's another sermon <laughs> that I've got to sit through before I can have my dinner. Um, but some of the speakers that we have that come to do sermons in chapel, their words I'd find really helpful, really powerful. A lot of them would be full of advice and life lessons. Mm. And especially we have this wonderful chaplain who's actually leaving, which is a shame called David. And he is just brilliant he is just wonderful and he would often I'd find he'd pick up on mental health a lot because he's very aware that it's something that students can struggle with in his sermons and um just yeah lessons about kind of living a happy life and acknowledging the things around you that bring you joy and he especially his words would always help me but I think also just the the whole experience of a chapel service, which ultimately is based in Christianity and it's about um, having a you know a greater belief, a higher belief do you well, yes, I always brought up Catholic, so I always did go to mass and I always found mass a really calming experience spiritually. I was never. I haven't studied the Bible in great detail. I wouldn't say I'm a dedicated Christian in that way. But But I believe in something. And I think I do believe in a God. Uh, That's something that I've... We've kind of... I've strayed a bit from it. I don't go to Mass regularly anymore. Obviously, I'm still in chapel services, which is similar, not the same. It's Mm -hmm. not the same as Catholicism. But it's similar. And I do sometimes find that, yeah, grasping a belief like that is really helpful, believing in a higher power do you pray i do yeah i do um less than i used to but uh, i don't know there's so much that i'm uncertain of mm. but i know that being in a service
0: gives you that peace and yes calm.
1: yes mm. and i know that i like to believe in something
0: mm.
1: and i think like i said Believing in connecting with other people, sharing joy with other people, sharing love with other people, that's something that I'm certain of. And that obviously fits into the kind of Christian faith. Um, but I don't know about necessarily, I wouldn't call myself a dedicated Catholic and I don't know a specific path to follow, but I I like to, to believe in something.
0: Do you think that might be something you want to look into further as you... Um,
1: Potentially... Uh, yeah, mm. possibly.
0: Because you obviously have sung so many of the hymns and, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, I totally agree with you. I think they're quite beautiful, not yeah. only in the atmosphere, but in, you know, the words of wisdom mm-hmm. within the sermons about appreciating. Um, I think the Bible, and I, I've read a fair bit in the past year in particular, I think it's such a an amazing diagnosis of the human condition.
1: Yeah.
0: Why we suffer.
1: Yeah.
0: And you... you I think for me I found a lot of peace and comfort um, just understanding that what I'm feeling is not unique. Yes. And yet I think the theme in the Bible, whether or not you believe in the miracles, is that the evil side, the the nasty things that we experience and feel and that we sometimes manifest in our own actions can be overcome and Mm. that it is a part of life rather than, yeah, we, we, we... We live with that,
1: yes.
0: But God, which symbolises justice and goodness and perfection, can overcome that. And I think there's some, definitely some sense of hope in spirituality that is quite, yeah, quite amazing. I mean, even Amazing Grace, right? I mean, I know that you sung it because it was on the website, yes. But I think the lyrics is just quite beautiful. And definitely, think about it. I I heard Amazing Grace so many times in school, but. Never really... I just like, oh, yeah, good tune, but I never really thought about the Mm -hmm. lyrics. But when you actually think about it, like, you know, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I just find the juxtaposition of... Yeah, it's beautiful. It's that hope, right?
1: Yeah, and it's really powerful. Mm.
0: And it's like... I've thought a lot about Amazing Grace, and it's like... it, It touches on that fear component as well, where you know, it was grace that taught my heart to fear, which is, I think, referring to, like, to fear God. But then at the same time, because you fear God, all your other fears are relief because you realise that God is for you. And I found... Yeah, I know that... I heard that in one sermon, which like, wow, it's so cool. Like Simultaneously, you have this fear, but also fear is relief because of that fear.
1: (laughs) And even if... Even if you... I mean, that is that is great if you've got that belief mm. that, that that means you can override all of your other fears. But even if you're not a person that believes in God and you're not a Christian, just, it's it's hard, but getting to the point where you can <laughs> take all of your personal fears and decide that they don't matter in the wider context of everything, mm. that's powerful. Were you um, raised, were you Christian then? Were you raised Christian then?
0: So... I think our family, we've always believed in God, but it was like we'd never really like had the Bible or anything. It was just God was constantly mentioned almost like a, almost like a, um, like a, you know, God is always present. Like, you know, whatever you do, like in stressful times, know that it will be fine. Mm -hmm. And God was almost like a standard of morality. Like we, we should do good because there's justice in the world that even though other people may not appreciate your actions, but yeah. let's do good anyway because yeah. there's a Chinese saying, like, whatever you do, the sky, which is, like, God is watching. Mm-hmm. And that's always kind of been something that I think has always been in my head.
1: Yeah,
0: um, I have – I went to a Christian school. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a lot of peace and comfort in the chapel, in the sermons, although I don't think I fully appreciated the Bible story. I don't think I understood it at the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And then in the past year, I've been going to church every Sunday, reading the Bible, doing I studies. Know. And, yeah, I I'm say I'm pretty confident that um, there is a good, present, living, personal God. And I think having that as a foundation has been really helpful. And so I guess if I could categorise up my transition with faith, it would be like, most of my childhood, it would be, I have peace in that, but I never felt an urge to explore it. It was just like, yeah, definitely like yes. chapel. I found You feel it.
1: like there's something there, but you don't necessarily know.
0: Well, I didn't feel like I need to know because I just felt so strong that, yeah, there's a sense of order and justice mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And then I think during the pandemic, as I left my school, so I didn't have that regular chapel servers and yeah. the sermons. We weren't a church-going family. And... I read the news and, you know, Christianity isn't always presented in the best light, especially when it comes to, you know, alleged, like, intolerance and all that kind of stuff. And then I went, well, actually, I feel that connection, but I don't want to be involved in a church. I don't want to be labelled as a Christian because I'm not one of those people. Mm -hmm. And then in the past year, it's just realising that it actually, like, you can... You're, you're going to church and you're having that connection with God, not necessarily other Christians. And Christians are, by definition, you're admitting that you're a sinner. And, and there's a lot that you can debate on what actually constitutes a sin. But it's that recognition that we are, by nature, or we're separated from God. God is perfect, just amazing. And we are limited, we are finite. And it's recognizing that you're a sinner, but that you still have that fundamental dignity that you are made in the image of God. Which, if you actually believe that, is actually quite powerful. Like right? you know, all the body image yeah. issues that people go through—that actually, well, God created you in His image. Yeah. Is
1: it another way of reframing everything? Mm,
0: and that your identity becomes stable as a child of God. That yeah you're no longer defined by your academic results, Mm -hmm. your sporting prowess, how other people perceive you. And you start to realise, well, other people are also struggling on the same thing, that we're actually on this journey together. And God loves not just you, but other people as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really helped. I think I definitely see things through a a religious lens where everyone has that inherent dignity and you realise that all the bad stuff that I didn't like. So it's almost like, The reason why I would be happy to go to church now is precisely actually the reason why I didn't want to go to church, if that makes any sense. So I didn't want to go to church because of all the abusers and the colonialism and all those implications. But now I realize those people commit those crimes, not because they followed God too much, but because they didn't follow God enough. Because God is perfect. And if you look at the gospels and the life of Jesus, it was a perfect life. You know, he doesn't go around doing bad things. He eats with the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, the the people, and it's like it's actually about love and inclusivity.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas I think a lot of Christians just haven't really grasped it. They take a very fundamentalist view and instill a lot of fear in other people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But at the same time, I'm seeing that well. As long as they're actually trying, then I can appreciate that they're not perfect. They're not God either, even though they're made in the image of God, but they're not perfect representations of God.
1: Yeah. I think it's it's hard, like you say, knowing you have a belief and that you want a faith and you want to believe in something, Mm. but then tying yourself to a specific institution is difficult.
0: Mm. So the church is by definition filled with very imperfect people and yes. all of them are very imperfect yeah.
1: and that's a really interesting way of the way that you've kind of come to terms with it is really interesting but then I can also I can also see why people turn away from the church or oh. I think it's hard because like you say a lot of the teachings you can't argue are incredibly valuable mm. and I know that feeling of membership when I was younger and the feeling that I used to get going to services. I know that I believed in that. I believed in the feeling. But, you know, thinking about, especially the Catholic Church has so many, mm. so many issues. And mm. even now, kind of, I don't know, like not even allowing women to be priests, that kind of thing. Mm. There's still so much that you think, well, that is inherently a problem with the institution. Mm. But does that mean that I want to tie myself to that institution? And if I'm not going to follow all the rules in the way that they set out, Mm. should I be a part of that Mm. that particular community? And then it's deciding, well, what community do I want to be a part of? Because there's so many denominations of Christianity, isn't there? Mm. And then it's also difficult considering, well, obviously that's not the only religion. People believe in so many different things all over Mm. the world, and obviously that's led to a lot of clashes and conflict. But ultimately, Mm. why should what I specifically decide to believe in be right in comparison to what someone else decides to believe in? Mm. It's so hard.
0: It's the big questions that we're, I think we're <laughs> at the age where it's good to think about and talk yeah. about these and you need such a great time of yeah. sharing community with people of all different faiths. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. I think another kind of probably religious probably realization that I've had over the past year is probably like, Being religious doesn't mean that you suspend critical thinking. It actually means that you be more critical because you have Mm. that standard of God Mm. there, of perfection and justice and love. And you question even more. You should actually question even more. So the problems that you've raised with churches and religious communities, you shouldn't turn a blind eye to it. You should be even more critical and notice those issues. And being religious also doesn't mean that you retreat from the wider world, um from the world that I love, for example. It doesn't mean that if you have this faith and you can only have friends in this faith that you shouldn't that other people are ungodly and that no, of
1: course. you're
0: in your bubble actually means that you go out there and you interact and you loathe a bit. You realise that everyone has that inherent worth and dignity. Mm-hmm. And I think no having those understanding has given me in the past year the peace to to go to church knowing that I won't agree with everything the pastor always says yeah but i respect them um and i'm comfortable debating them and talking to them and knowing that we're all on a spiritual journey that they are actually not god they're as bad as me
1: yeah no that's true (laughs) isn't it that's true i think um just being guided by a faith like you say can bring so much peace and is really important i um my granddad in particular so that's where our kind of catholic roots have stemmed from the Mm. irish catholicness so my granddad is irish he's an irish immigrant and he has always been very strong in his faith and led by that and i can see in his life i mean i can't put i don't know if i can put it all down to his um faith in god but he is so inspiring to me he is just incredible he um He's struggling at the moment. He has Parkinson's and it's getting worse and worse. But he's such an inspiration because he's so positive all the time. I've ne- I've never heard him be negative and things are really difficult for him now in terms of his mobility, his speech, everything's getting harder and harder. The things that he can do for himself, his life is far more limited, but he is driven to make most of every single day. He gets up every morning and does his physio exercises for two or three hours. He just, he is so dedicated (laughs) and he's so positive. And I was talking to him the other week just before, um, before my return to Cambridge about the fact that, you know, I've been feeling worried and about my anxiety last term. And he has managed to almost, he's told me, get rid of worry in his life. And that's obviously... It's easy to say worry is not helpful. Mm. Worry is the least productive. But of you all actually see
0: that he's actually yeah.
1: But through his life, he's managed to to get to get rid of worry because he he knows that worry will not help him.
0: Mm.
1: And just I don't know. I see him as incredibly wise, and I think his faith is part of that. But mm. yeah, he's been a massive, massive inspiration to me.
0: Have you always been quite close with him growing up then?
1: yeah and I think, in particular, because we've had so many special holidays going back to his home in Ireland and his um place in Donegal that I've felt that connection um through him to that beautiful place that we that we get to visit and i mean i've I'm lucky enough that I've been felt close to all my my grandparents I, I never met my grandma. she died before I was born, but um I feel like it's so beneficial being able to be close to your mm. grandparents and they're so they're such a source of advice and wisdom mm. and luckily they all live quite close to me and I've spent valuable time mm. with all of my grandparents and that's something that I think is incredibly lucky. What
0: else have you learnt from him? He's clearly had a massive influence on your life and your outlook.
1: Yeah. Um, so, well, first of all, his story was that he... At the age that I am now, at 19, he, with one suitcase, crossed the Irish Sea and came to London for work because there were no opportunities. He grew up in a rural farm in um, in Donegal, you know, tells stories about walking to school without any shoes or anything, getting wow. washed from the well every day. Um, and, yeah, he came to London and experienced a lot of um, difficulty when he got here. There was a lot of racism... Against Irish at that time, within London, and but yeah, he managed to find a job, work his way up, uh, met my dad. What man. did he do? Um, he worked in insurance nice. and um, yeah, that kind of kind of mm. banking.
0: What is there to worry about when there's insurance?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Um, but yeah, he's just he's just full of so many stories. But the incredible thing is that he. Um, Is so... I mean, he still misses home. Mm. But he stayed here because he fell in love with my nan and ended up having a family here. But he talks about Ireland all the time and that community... Like we were saying about sense of community. He's never had that again. That When he was growing up, everyone's doors open, knowing everyone in the area, you know, live music every Mm. night in someone's house. Wow. Like, it just sounds amazing. And I think about that. And it was obviously a simple life and it was a very hard life, you know. Mm. Um, Ireland was far less developed than most other places um, in Europe back then. And, you know, life was tough, but he just said the people just were so happy. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a stunning place. Kind of relates
0: to what place. you said earlier about, like, the one thing you are certain is that we all need connection yeah, with other people. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think that's something that I've... Talking to him about his past, yeah, that has really helped me to realise that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we're lucky we still have our kind of own community in that area when we go, uh we've I've been twenty-two, twenty-three times in my life wow. to Ireland and every time we go we spend time with um we're friends with the local farmers, we have a lot of second cousins, um, great aunts and uncles that still live in Ireland and we often have been able to come together in big groups at the summer and spend time with, with each other, and that that's really special. And they have a big emphasis on that in Ireland that I think is less emphasized here. That kind of idea of like a clan, you know, like mm-hmm. these are the Martins mm-hmm. and we, we've come together, <laughs> and it just yeah, that it membership. makes you feel part of something. Yeah, it yeah. really does. And like thinking about your roots and just the simplicity of just being with other people and enjoying other people's company. Mm. Yeah, it's really Do you see yourself
0: perhaps living in Ireland long term?
1: I don't think so. I think it's somewhere that I'll always want to visit and I hope I'm always tied to that place and we always have access to the home that my that my granddad has um, maintained for us over there. But there's such a lack of opportunity still in that in that area, that's why so many people still emigrate from Ireland. Um, it's actually something that I'm really interested in. I'm doing my dissertation in in this kind of area and immigration in Ireland, um, but it's still maybe later in life. Mm. But in terms of the opportunities that I would seek now, I I just don't think there's much for me, especially mm. in the the harsh kind of rural. <laughs> Winter of Tony <laughs> Cool and Just yeah, the, the weather can be awful, and um, there's not a lot to do. There's there's not even you know they don't even have trains mm. to places. Not good transport connections. It's really hard to get to the nearest city. Mm. Uh, you'd have to drive everywhere. Really. Um, so yeah, all year round I couldn't see myself living there. But mm. I do find it as well when I go over there. Just in general, people just seem to be so much more friendly. So nice that like you're just walking down the road and you'll bump into someone and they'll say, hello, how are you? have a conversation. You've never met these people before. Whereas in England, people tend to keep their heads down mm. and walk past you. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Irish people are just some so of the loveliest people I've ever met. Yeah, and it's, it's wonderful. I really mm. enjoy it. I really enjoy that. How would you
0: like describe the culture there for people who perhaps haven't visited or know much?
1: Um, I think it's kind of a unique thing about... I know uh, there's a sense of national pride in most places where you're from, but Irishness, people are so proud to be Irish and they recognise mm. Irish roots in other people. For example, Joe Biden's recent visit to, to Ireland, he was so passionate about the fact that his great-great-grandfather <laughs> or something had been from Mayo. It seems like such a tenuous link. But, you know, um, people are so proud of their Irish roots and mm. just the Irish population is, as a population that is known for being friendly, known for that kind of wonderful uplifting music. Potatoes. What, and- <laughs> potatoes, <laughs> sense of community. Obviously uh, a population that has really struggled and obviously struggled under English colonialism as a lot of other places have. Mm. Um, but yeah, just, just known for being such a, such a friendly place mm. and the, the actual landscape is stunning, especially on that West Coast, that Atlantic mm. Coast. Beautiful Are you quite an outdoor person?
0: Like, Do you like to go yeah, on I beach love being outdoors,
1: and... yeah. absolutely love it. Um, we we'll spend lots of time in the sea, even though it's freezing. Being there till my hands go blue and purple. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we get to do... What do we do out there? Like surfing, lots mm. of big dog walks. And lately. big families. Um. Yeah, yep. yeah. And yeah, lots of, lots of nice walks, outdoor activities, and doing like kayaking out there. It's just great. I love being outdoors. And sometimes I think... I, I recognise that while I was stuck in the middle of a Cambridge term, I think, God, I have to spend enough time outdoors. And it's so healing to just go on a walk or something and just to be outside and connect again with, with nature. Mm. Um,
0: but yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Last time we, or last year when we talked, you said you were possibly contemplating a scholarship to Harvard. Is that still on the
1: oh gosh. radar? Or... <laughs> um, that's I've got to decide this summer what I want to do mm. with my future. That was just one opportunity that I think... I might as well... Well, I consider still going for it. Yeah, because it's the thing about being at Cambridge, isn't it, that it opens so many doors. Yeah. And there's so many things that you think, well, I might as well go for it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's an opportunity. Because Emmanuel have a special connection with with Harvard, they offer, you know, a couple of mm. scholarships. And you can even apply, I could even have a year out and then think about applying for it. You mm. can apply, I think, a couple of years after you've left and just a fully funded year to study something in Harvard.
0: Mm. Definitely um, the main problem for you is um too many options it. like, oh, and <laughs> overwhelmed I mean, by the many opportunities.
1: That <laughs> it kind of seems ridiculous to see that as a problem because I'm so lucky to have so many doors open and I see that. But then it's choosing a but door. You made your
0: own luck as well.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like you say, it's uh it's choosing a path. I don't know. I need to consider whether I want to carry on studying and that might be wanting to stay in Cambridge because I do love Cambridge and I my friends that are still here next year. Mm. Um yeah, I guess that's an opportunity that I mentioned that. I think at the time I just found out that that was a thing and I thought, wow, that is quite amazing. I very
0: enthusiastic about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and but yeah, I might want to go I don't know, straight into work. Um I might find a career that interests me, but I need to have do a you lot found of research. That yet? No. <laughs> I need to do a lot of research over the summer. That's my plan. Um because if I do do further studying, it would have to be leading me somewhere. I can't just accumulate more
0: potentials. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah. De- <laughs> yeah like I just I can't just keep paying for studying um I mean it'd be great if I could somehow do something that was funded I think that's why the Harvard thing was like oh what an amazing opportunity for it to be free yeah. but obviously it's highly competitive and I don't even know if I'd want to spend a year away from home but it's great it's just an example of all the options and all the doors mm. that being at Cambridge opens which is why I think, yeah, one of the reasons I think this place is so great.
0: You may not know exactly what you want to do, which is, I think, totally normal. I don't think I know either. But what are some of the core factors that you consider when making these big life decisions? Like, how do you weigh certain factors? Like, you know, th- such as work-life balance, income, proximity to home, like, mm-hmm. what what matters to you?
1: Family matters to me. Um, so, yes, definitely being able to still spend time with my family and not being too far from home is important or will be um for, for the rest of my life um like i say i just don't i always just think i want to put myself in the best position possible and make the most of all the opportunities that i've been given so that's always a driving factor just just doing my best and not not saying no to things um to keep all the doors open I think also certain like morals in a way that I want to do something. I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I know I want to be in a career that I enjoy because it's helping in some way. It's helping the world or it's helping people. It's contributing to something that I know is positive or seems positive. I need to be doing something that feels worthwhile. And I think that definitely drives me I couldn't just sit in an office doing something that I think is really mundane and not important because that would probably drive me a bit insane. Mm. Um, And, you know, I want the drive to enjoy enjoy the work that I end up doing. So that's definitely a factor. Mm. Mm.
0: So you had that just innate desire to make a positive impact and contribute to a larger course. It goes back to this desire to belong and
1: contribute. Yeah, I think so. I think like I said before it's so easy I mean I don't know if you do this but I think most people do to go on those crazy overthinking spirals about the meaning of life or, or like why am I even here why do I don't even exist that kind of thing <laughs> yeah you know thinking that you can contribute in a positive way is a great way of kind of grounding yourself in that and I don't know you want things to be meaningful I mean I've heard you talk about that you know that you're very driven by doing good and, yeah, contributing positively. I think that's a way of feeling. I want to feel like what I'm doing is fulfilling. I want to feel fulfilled in some way, and I think that's the only way that you, that you can.
0: So who are your role models then? Like, Who do you see as someone who has... I mean, your grandpa being one of them who has truly lived out his words and yeah. demonstrates that integrity throughout his life.
1: Yeah.
0: Who else do you look at and go, "Wow, I really want to model their qualities and their example."
1: Um. Well, definitely all the family members that I've mentioned. I think obviously my mum and what she what she contributes as a head teacher is incredible, and my granddad, as I said. Um, my family members are probably the biggest inspirations to me mm. and my dad has obviously always been an inspiration and his approach to life and his positivity mm. and the way that, cause he had his own struggles. I hope you wouldn't mind me saying that, but in terms of when he was helping me through my mental health last term, he had a almost breakdown kind of thing in lockdown. Mm. Um, and he managed to get through that. And that's why, he has been so valuable in helping me. Actually, someone that... This is... I don't know if you know him. My dad's going to think this is really funny that I've brought him up because he brings him up every opportunity. But do you know... I mean, you're Australian yourself. Tim Minchin. Yes. You know of Tim Minchin?
0: I've heard the name, but... So
1: he... He wrote Matilda the Musical.
0: Oh, yes, that's right. He's
1: got long hair, kind of gingery man. Anyway, my dad believes that tim minchin helped him out of his struggles and not in the way i mean tim is this i mean he does a lot. he does lots of things he's a comedian he's a musician um some of his work kind of is a bit like i don't know kind of satire a bit rude kind of comedy and then he's written obviously amazing musicals he's incredible um with his words and his music but he has an incredible way of communicating and my dad would probably say that I'm saying is all wrong he has an amazing way of (laughs) explaining Tim to people but he always just says to people if you can listen to Tim Minchin on a podcast I can recommend you a few (laughs) but his views on the world and a lot of what my dad has said about life has come from advice that he has got from listening to Tim speak and a quote that my dad said to me recently which I think is going to help me through this term that Tim said on a radio programme something was it's again about finding happiness in the presence of other people and in just every little thing in your day, Mm. but it was sit, I think it was just sit in the presence of the joy of it. So when you wake up in the morning, I don't know, hear, hear a bird singing outside and just, just like, and actually fully be mindful about the fact that that is amazing or just, just enjoying every little feeling in your day, the food that you're eating. Just remember to feel joy in everything that you're lucky for. Don't just, I don't know, rush through your day and not acknowledge things. Um, And that that's so important. And there's so many different lessons um, that my dad has tried to communicate through (laughs) to me about what he's learned from Tim. But um, he actually managed to meet him. He went to one of his concerts and ended up staying in the same hotel as him and has spoken to Tim himself. Wow. Which he just, it's an (laughs) incredible story when he tells it about the fact that he's helped him. And that he can just put into words a lot of the things that my dad believes are important. And Tim isn't religious. He doesn't believe in free will, even. He, so it's a very different approach. and don't necessarily agree with everything that he says, but the way that he just says that you should find happiness in life, yeah, he, he has a lot, of, a lot of special and valuable messages mm-hmm. um, and has a great way of communicating them. And has written some amazing songs as well and he's quite a funny man so i'd recommend um my dad will be pleased that i've endorsed tim minchin on this podcast but um yeah i definitely recommend uh learning more about about him
0: that's great um yeah. again the podcast is you know the context is i'm trying to give you a legacy worthy interview so mm-hmm. i call it and that's i consider it like you know a meaningful piece of recording that you can look back on in 10 20 years time catches yeah. a snapshot of who you are and I think we'll both listen back to this in a few years time and go wow we have changed oh, but that's 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 why we do this um we've covered quite a lot of different things um yes. i've got a few to end but before that is there anything else that you really want to keep in this recording because i don't of course know everything about you and what you care about
1: mm-hmm. um I don't know. if There's anything specific coming to mind. Mm. I think we've touched on a lot of the things that I think are important.
0: Found it all right so far.
1: Yes, I really enjoyed it. It just feels like a conversation, <laughs> so it's okay. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, well, I'll, to end, I'll, I'll maybe go through a round of rapid fire questions, and then we'll end with two bigger ones.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Don't so rapid me fire. Too much. It's just um, quick answer. Yeah. Whatever okay. comes to mind. Okay. I'm ready.
0: Favorite movie.
1: Oh no! This is a terrible I don't have a favorite movie. I know that's awful.
0: Uh, like any ones that has been memorable.
1: Um, I used to love. I know this is just really basic, but we used to love watching Harry Potter. We would read, we'd read the book. Like my dad would read to us at night when we were children, and then we'd we'd watch the film afterwards, and that was always a great family evening. Um, yeah, I love that kind of fantasy kind of thing. Um,
0: yeah. um your go-to meal with your yeah, your go-to meal for eating out with family What, what would you like to eat? Ooh,
1: um, I love the comfort of just Italian food Like a really good carbonara That would be ideal
0: Favourite animal? Favourite
1: animal I'd say dog, definitely For the reasons we've discussed already I love dogs <laughs>
0: um, If you couldn't do netball What's another sport that you would do?
1: Hmm. I think I'd like to be good at tennis I used to play tennis when I was younger and I'd love to get better at tennis so probably tennis
0: What was a childhood nickname that your friends had given you?
1: <laughs> um, gosh what? Some people used to call me Belle because my real name's Isabel, and I always used to like that or like Lou Bell Everyone's like Lou Bell <laughs> That's really cute um, but Yeah.
0: Favourite board game?
1: I I love Cluedo. Playing Cluedo with like a big group or a big family group is always really fun.
0: What's the best investment you've made that costed less than a hundred pounds that had the biggest disproportionate impact on your life?
1: Gosh, um, um, God, I don't know. Uh, maybe. A music stand. So I could practice all my music in my room. I was going to say um, one of the things that was great, a great purchase was obviously my oboe, but that cost a bit more than £100, unfortunately. <laughs> Instruments are very expensive. Um, Yeah, maybe that, to be able to practice music.
0: And if you could meet one celebrity for an hour, um, who would that be?
1: I think I would like to meet Tim Minchin myself just because my dad raves about him so much. I would love to be able to talk talk to him myself and ask him questions.
0: Who would you ask him?
1: uh, I think I'd just love to talk to him more about... Yeah, his thoughts about kind of the point of life, the point of things, especially being someone that doesn't have faith. I think that's really interesting, speaking to someone who... Because for the reasons we've mentioned, Faith is really important, but he doesn't believe in that. And just what drives him to be positive and to produce incredible work, incredible words and songs and stuff. What goes on inside his head? I think that's interesting to talk to any musician about how they they come up with inspiring music. Mm. Yeah.
0: It's often done in... Moments of heartbreak, actually. You know, mm. people's greatest artistic work are often done in their mm. lowest points. Yeah. Do, do you think that's, there's actually a reason for that? Is that causation or correlation? Like, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. That, I, think well, it makes sense too. Points.
1: I think it makes sense too. Like I was talking about, well, last term was one of my lowest points, but I think that was so valuable in everything that I've learned from it and changing my outlook completely so I can see how a moment like that would cause a shift that would make you productive in a different way or cause you to produce something beautiful. Um, because in the hardest moments, that's when you learn the most. And I mean, I'm not a composer myself, Mm. but I can see that the moments of difficulty would be the most inspiring when you kind of have to see something, you Mm. know?
0: Um, final rapid fire question When people hear Lucy Martin, what three words would you like them to associate, like, to come to mind? (laughs)
1: Um, definitely kind. I think that's so important. If people perceive me as kind, then that is, that is wonderful. Um, I would like happy to be one of the words. I mean, obviously everyone strives towards happiness, but I'd hope that other people see that I'm happy because I genuinely am. I just want to be happy in my life. Um... another word I don't know maybe just supportive for similar reasons or loving just yeah being able to be perceived by others as someone that they can turn to and enjoy spending time with and connecting with that's the most important thing to me I think (laughs)
0: wonderful second to last um, feel free to say no but we've talked so much about music and it's obviously had a big part on your life in terms of confidence, in terms of friendships, in terms of just overall well being. Yeah. Um I've had the honour and privilege of, you know, being in the band and almost getting that front row seat of seeing you perform and it's uh, it's spectacular.
1: Oh, thank you. Um,
0: and I think it's really valuable that, you know, it's a big part of you and as we, you know, mature your voice probably will change and mm-hmm. improve. Um is there like a thirty second to a minute snippet that you could maybe demonstrate now i know you haven't warmed up or any of that what? but would you, you want be? me to
1: sing yeah oh my goodness. previous podcast
0: guests have done it which has been really oh good really
1: oh god. is there any
0: parts that you would feel comfortable because i think that would be really cool um <laughs> a second to last
1: <laughs> <laughs> good. um
0: you can have a bit of time to warm up
1: but yeah okay Um will you sing something with me? Sure, what, what song? <laughs> um, that's uh, we could sing um amazing grace since we were talking about it.
0: Okay. Um this would be funny. <laughs> okay, this would be funny. Should I get like the backing music or should we be fine with just the lyrics? Uh
1: we should be fine with just the lyrics. We've just got to pick a note to start on, I suppose.
0: Okay. It's just a little do... technical for me, but lead me, yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, let me
0: think. Do you want the lyrics as well or do you know it off by heart?
1: I know it. We're okay. just saying uh, up to oh I'm
0: very excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, should we just sing out to like that? Take it. Yeah. Okay. Ready?
0: Actually, maybe to a if Then it repeats. Okay. Okay. You, you leave me whenever you're ready. Wait, are we counting in
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, sure Uh okay, we ready? Yep. Uh what note should we start on? Uh May or maybe a bit lower.
0: Now, now i see
1: oh that's good we can stop <laughs> <laughs> oh dave you said you couldn't sing you've got a great voice. <laughs> oh,
0: sorry oh. what an honor to sing with one of the best oh. in cambridge
1: <laughs> we should do a duet and jazz band <laughs> <laughs> Gosh,
0: people will come fun. to laugh at me so.
1: <laughs> well you know we're providing entertainment i'd say that's brilliant.
0: Gosh. All right, well, final question, typical final one. I know, I know you've listened to many episodes, but what's one message, quote, or saying you wish every educator, leader would promote and every kid would internalise? And, you know, you've been through so much highs and lows, so many words of wisdom that you've received from other people. But if you could summarise your philosophy for a good life that you want all the kids to understand, what mm-hmm. would that be?
1: I'd say balance is a key word. I would say find your balance. um, Look for the joy. Again, to kind of say a similar thing to the quote that I mentioned before, um, sit in the presence of the joy of it. And if you can do that, finding those moments of happiness in every day. And obviously I I feel like I can't preach about any of this because there's so much that I don't know. And I feel like I'm really on a journey In terms of trying to think how I'm going to live a happy life. But focus on others. Change your outlook. Always look outwards and think how you could make a positive difference and connect with people. And then all good things surely stem from that. But yeah, as I say, I don't think I'm in a position to preach (laughs) or in a position to... To tell people there are so many different ways to live a happy life, and I appreciate that, um, but yeah, being with other people and finding joy in the presence of other people and spreading some kind of love is definitely definitely part part of meaning in my in my view and in my experience, and I hope that continues to to grow for me um, yeah.
0: Well, we say thank you so much for um, not only the time for this podcast, but just for the kind of memories we share through jazz and music. And it's always very inspiring seeing you handle a a variety of different things at such a high level. And um, I definitely think you are kind and supportive and just all the good things. And indeed, we're all on a journey. So
1: Thank you so much. I would say the exact same about you. I think it's inspiring, especially this, as you describe it, your passion project. And I'm really grateful that, you wanted to share it with me and to give me this experience which has been which has been really good and yeah i'd say you're far better than me in terms of balancing your time i have no idea how you do so many things um but yeah i'm grateful for your friendship as well so thank you very much performance on tuesday let's do it yes jazz (laughs)